0: Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan here with the Startup to Scale podcast and excited for today's episode. Uh, We're going to be talking about financing for your uh, CPG company and the four financing tools that you need as a CPG brand. To help me with this conversation, I have brought on Jim Shaheen, who is the senior vice president for Ion and runs the credit division there and knows all things kind of CPG financing. Jim, welcome. Thank you. So you guys work with a lot of early stage uh, CPG brands as they're growing Uh, across everything from what financing do I need to start my company, how do I manage my finances as I'm growing, and there's kind of four of the main tools that that you talk about a lot, which are banking, accounts receivable, account payables, bookkeeping and insights, and flexible working capital, and what i love to do is kind of walk through each of those today as we go through um, kind of the tools that, that founders need. And maybe to start, I'd love just for you to give a quick 15-second pitch of what ION is.
1: Okay. Well, ION ION was formed out of the experiences of um, many people on our leadership team who have all started companies in the past and know the journey of a founder, not just in CPG, but in in, uh, FinTech. And, you know, there's some common themes there about... um, you don't usually start your company because you want to go out and raise capital or you want to bank. You do it because you've got a passion around your product. And so really, at the end of the day, what we do is try to take as much of the work out of um, managing the financing and finances of a small business growing so that you can get some sleep at night as a founder. You know, this is often a, the not your wheelhouse, easy to get overwhelmed with the information. We try to, we try to make all of that uh, very easy.
0: I love that. So let's start with the first topic of banking. A -hmm. lot of times founders, and I did this myself, will just go with whoever they use for their own consumer banking and bring that into their business. Um, It kind of sounds good on, on the surface, but talk through kind of what are some of the considerations that founders need to be thinking about when choosing a banking partner for the business.
1: So the, um, and this is particularly true, uh, we we do the majority of our business in the natural and organic uh, CPG and food and beverage space. And and quite often, um, those founders will approach a bank or banker that might have been a personal contact or it's the one down the street and they know in their, in their town. And the challenge there is that, as we all know on this podcast, there's a lot that's unique about how a CPG company in the food and beverage space grows, how its customers pay, kind of when it goes through the steps of the journey to broader distribution. And if you don't have a bank that really understands that well, um, you know, you may get a checking account out of it, but you may not get a banker who's going to... um, one, have the tools to make this as little work as possible, and two, understand when you say, I'm, I'm ready for credit, and I, I need a loan, and I need my checking account now to connect to these other systems at UNFI or KE or whatever it is, they won't know what you're talking about. So the biggest thing is take the time to find a banking solution, which today isn't always a bank. I mean, you know, ION offers a lot of banking. We're technically not a bank. Um, and there are hundreds of firms like us that are, that are doing the same thing, trying to focus more on who our customers are and what their business is rather than what a bank traditionally does and, um, find whatever, uh, trust your gut, you know, find somebody who understands the journey you're on why you're starting this business. Cause then when you do need to talk to them about expanding those banking services, um, You're not having to educate them from square one. The the thing that founders don't have more than anything else is time. So you got to start saving time right with your banking relationship. Find somebody who gets your industry, gets you, and um,
0: has the tools to make it easy. So I think a lot of founders probably have the experience where they don't have a relationship with a banker really, or if they do, it's it's very arm's distance. Um, Mm -hmm. And most of the time they're using their bank to receive funds in maybe they have a credit card and they're kind of maybe paying a couple bills and that seems to be like the extent of how people are using banking yeah um what are some of the other ways that founders are using um some of the ions tools or other kind of banking tools that are sure. are really helpful
1: well here's a, here's a couple of examples um <clears throat> we and we're not unique in this but we have the connectivity to you know connect to your QuickBooks directly. We have connectivity to various other third party data sources because what founders quickly learn is they need more than that list you just went through. The first time quarterly taxes become due, or sales taxes become due, or there is licensing and compliance that you need to report financial information on. Sometimes stuff you're not thinking about when you start out that this is part of banking, but it really is. And so if you don't have a quick easy and largely automatic way to keep all of those cash flows up to date Then whether it is tax, whether it is when you go out to get credit, whether it is you're being evaluated as a national vendor with a big retailer and they want to see your financial viability, um, That's when it, the rubber really hits the road, when it's more than just a checking account that you're paying bills out of. It's, it's the tool you're going to use to convey to the people you want to grow into how you're running your finances. And you got to be thinking about that from from the beginning. So you're right. A checking account will take money in and it will let Mm -hmm. you pay your bills, but you'll learn within a quarter or two, you need it to do a lot more than that.
0: That makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the areas around account receivable and account payable. I know a lot of brands end up kind of putting together some solution, sometimes using like QuickBooks online to send out invoices and bills and tracking those. Sometimes they'll use like a bank system. Um, How do you recommend founders think about that process?
1: Well, and this will be a theme I'll talk about a lot this afternoon is um, think about what you need to accomplish first, and then think about the tool. I've seen a lot of founders go out and immediately get QuickBooks, which and QuickBooks is widely used. It's a, it's a great system. And it's, and one reason we connect to it so automatically is because it's, it's used so much, but you don't start your business so that you can have QuickBooks. You start your business so that you can get your arms around how much money you owe to everybody when, and when your customers are going to pay you. Um, that's really the core of an accounts payable and receivable solution. So, Again, you want to find something that works the way you do, how it updates, it it fits your level of financial expertise, a lot, none, whatever. There are tools that are stone simple, simpler than QuickBooks. There are many that are far more complex that you don't need. Um, Again, this idea of interfaces is important. So if you know in the next year or two, you're going to be working with two or three different retailers take the time when you negotiate that deal to find out what's the quickest path they have electronically for exchanging payables and receivables information. Because if you're on the same system, or at least a compatible one, you're likely to get paid faster. And so again, those nuances are around connectivity and ease of use. There's not a lot, frankly, in most CPG startups that is over the head of a basic accounts payable and receivable system. I mean, there are businesses that are far more complex in finance and things like that. So most systems out of the box, if they're, you know, been around a while, will do the basics you need. It's these nuances around, if it's too hard for me to keep it up to date, it's useless. So you've got to Mm -hmm. make sure it's something that's not taken up three days of your week, just to keep your AP input or your controller doing that. Those are the things to look for.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because from my experience and our listeners know I ran my um an energy bar company before. Where like when you're dealing with a couple invoices and bills here and there, it's you know fairly simple to keep mm-hmm. track of. But as you start growing and having um, you know, m- multiple orders coming in from the same client, multiple bills going out to the same vendors that you're working with, it gets tough really understanding. Um, how much, as you mentioned, how much you're owed and how much you should be planning to uh, receive and when, and making sure that you're able to stay on top of, of your customers to make sure that they're paying on time and how to make sure you're staying on top of the vendors so that you're paying them at a rate where maybe it's like when the bill's due, but maybe not earlier so that you can get more uh, liquidity for your cash next extend your, your cash flow. Um, and so that becomes really important and making sure that if anyone says, hey, you didn't actually pay this bill, you can go back to your own records and say, oh, nope, we paid it via this method on this date and have some tracking to make sure you receive it because things only get more complicated as they as you grow. And if you don't have a system set up right, then it uh just creates more headache in the future.
1: One one and I I advise a fair number of startups, you know, just outside of my role here at Ion, even. And a piece of advice I give every founder is plan to succeed. You know, most of them know, okay, I've got a plan in case something doesn't go right. I'll keep a little extra cash. I'll do whatever. Um, It is just as much of a problem if you don't plan to succeed because all of a sudden you'll be slammed. You're doing your first kind of debut with your next giant national customer and you don't want to stumble out of the gate because your records aren't up to date or any of those kind of things. So um, you got to plan to succeed and make sure you've got a system that will grow with you.
0: Now let's talk about the third area of bookkeeping and kind of insights around the company. Uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about what things founders need to know in that area.
1: So one of the things that is is difficult when you're starting one of these um, CPG companies is, you know, you don't have time, you're running a million miles an hour. And so you're dealing with if you if you get past just putting out fires, you're still dealing with the day-to-day. Okay, we've got our next big order. That's got to be out the door by Friday. I'm focused on doing that. What it leaves little time for is projecting where you want to be. And so the this idea of insights is if you take what we talked about in these first two capabilities, accounts payable, accounts receivable, which is your cash flowing. And the first one, which is banking, which is How do you get money in and, you know, how do you have a relationship with an institution that's going to grow? What those two are in place for is not just so that you have them. They're there so that when you're thinking about the next three months, maybe it's between now and Christmas, you know, and you've got a lot of seasonality in your particular business. How are you going to have any sense about how much raw material to order? What the margin is going to be depending on various scenarios of what price you might get? What does dilution look like, clawbacks and things from your distributors? You are really flying blind in those areas, unless you've got your data up to date with the first two things we talked about. And then third, insights come from how easy is it to digest the information? Does the system you're using give you pretty clear dashboards? So when you go to bed at night, you're pretty confident. Yeah, I know how much we owe everybody. I know when it's got to go out the door. And by the way, I've got a sense of how much capital I'm going to need in the next quarter in order to fill the orders that my biggest customer is telling me they want to place with me. That's what the insights are about. The other thing that they're about is, is what I talked about a minute ago. They also give you a very simple way to convey the financial health of your business, whether you're going out to raise money, whether you're trying to get qualified by a big customer. Um, if you can't easily push a button and get Where I stand and where I think I'm going to be in three months, then you don't have the right systems in place. And lastly, what I'd say about that is um, it sounds like a big topic and it kind of is. And the best way to navigate it is um, avoid the trap of trying to cherry pick every little thing. You know, I'm getting bill.com for this and I'm getting that for that. Those are all good companies, but If you're running a CPG company, your expertise is probably not in systems integration. so You probably don't want to have to buy all those and then figure out how you're going to get the data from each one and make a report. You need some system that's doing that for you very easily. Because trust me, even if you don't think you need it now, as you start to really succeed, you will. And so now, again, is the time you want to plan for it.
0: And thinking about that planning... Um, Let's talk about flexible working capital. I just had a Mm -hmm. brand reach out to me today saying, hey, we had we're expecting a really big order coming up and we're trying to find ways of funding it. And they were initially thinking about um, about bringing on an investor to do that. And I always recommend if you're funding inventory, then there's uh, other ways to do that besides selling equity of your company because you can't get that back. Um, So let's talk about um, kind of funding for uh, working capital and and how you think about that.
1: Well, you know, I said at the beginning, a number of us who run this company um, have been involved with, with founding companies. And the thing we've seen over and over again is what you just said, which is founders giving away equity too early and getting diluted just because it, was, it seemed like the easiest way to raise cash to fill the next big order. That's really a working capital need. And so one of the hard things when you're not a finance expert is there are all these tools for financing my business. Which one is the right one and when? And these range from short-term merchant cash advances, uh, factoring, asset-backed lending, like what we often do here at ION, to convertible debt, to raising equity, to um, vendor financing. So I mean, I'll touch in about 10 seconds on each of these. But if you think about uh, you've gotten your. Well, if actually, I'll give you an example. Um, a well known company that, that uh, is pleased to have us talk about this is purely Elizabeth. So, you know, the granola company, and now broadly into breakfast food, uh, we, uh, we were their um, original credit financer. And it was a common story with a lot of, I'm sure, your members. Uh, they landed a large order all of a sudden with a, with a big national chain. In this case, it was Whole Foods and um, needed millions in, in raw materials. And they were wise enough not to just immediately sell half the company to try to get the couple million they needed. That's the kind of situation where credit financing makes a lot of sense. And founders will often come in with a mindset that credit financing for your business is like your credit card on your personal stuff and it isn't all of us know you don't want to carry big credit card balances it's not going to make you money it's just going to cost you money credit financing for your business frees up money that's going to have a multiplier effect and allow you to grow and get that paid back many times over as opposed to buying a new tv at best buy and and putting that on a credit card so in these scenarios when these companies are growing between one and ten million in revenue and things credit financing, and we, we do a version of that called asset-backed lending against your inventory and your receivables and things, is a very good way to go. Now, if you continue to succeed, you will start to outgrow that. And so at some stage, yes, you will go out and raise equity, and, and Purely Elizabeth did that earlier this year, but you do it at a much, much higher valuation for your company. So you as a founder have kept control and you have kept um, a bigger piece of the pie with whatever the exit for your company is. You sell it, you merge it with someone else, um, you continue to run it even, it's still yours. People who sell too much equity too soon often have a bad experience where they, they don't control their company anymore or they don't control the majority of the economic output, out, outcome. And uh, we really believe in using the right tool at the right time. We're not the right tool for a brand new startup, they don't have any receivables yet. But as they start to get traction, um, the kind of thing we do makes sense. They outgrow us. They may want to do a convertible debt round, but at that stage, they have enough predictability in their company that they know they will pay off that note before it converts to equity. Uh, you don't want to do that too early. And then when you do go out and get equity, find a partner who knows this space. There are a lot of good firms that I, I know many of them who who know CPG, especially in natural and organic. And you're getting more than just money. You're getting a board. You're getting advice. That's how you want to think about the capital part of this.
0: That makes a ton of sense. And what I've gotten a sense of is a lot of founders fear the words of uh, asset-based lending because they don't really understand what that means or funding with yep. receivables. Can you go into a little bit of detail on, on how that works?
1: Yeah, I mean... There's a, there's a form of it that goes back to the Renaissance, actually, called factoring, where you sell your invoice to somebody, they give you some percentage of it ahead of time, and you're, it's usually at a pretty high interest rate, and you're, you're kind of doing that. It's a lot of administration. Um, what we started doing several years ago, because our technology platform let us do this for the first time, is we connect to those systems I talked about earlier. We see the entire cash flows of your business. And so we can actually calculate the borrowing base every day. It's not like a banker where you send them monthly financials and they decide if you're credit worthy again. And so for us, we can advance, um, you know, 80% or so of your total receivables. You get paid now for customers, you know, the big chains don't pay you for 60, 90, sometimes 120 days. And you control that. So unlike a factor where it's a whole invoice, you decide exactly how much you draw through the platform. And so you don't have the concern that a lot of folks do is, well, God, I've got to do this all, the whole credit line, and then like a term loan would be, and now I've got to pay it all back. You have a lot more control with this kind of flexible, daily calculated um, asset-backed lending. And that's, and that's one reason I think we have grown so much in this space is because it's a good fit for these kind of companies. You know, you, you often need to buy a lot of raw materials ahead of time or you've got a big spend on some hiring or whatever it is. Um, and you're dealing with customers when you start getting national, national distribution that uh, they don't often care that you need the money in 10 days, you know, to, do, to pay for that raw materials. They're going to pay you when they're going to pay you. We kind of solve that timing gap.
0: And then along with that, I know a lot of the founders that are listening. They might not; they're probably not profitable as a as mm-hmm. an overall business. Um, either they're they're you know they have some investment that they're going off of or other things to use these resources. Do they need to to be like profitable as a company, or do they just need no. receivables coming in? What kind of yeah, that? That's one of the big. Sorry.
1: Um, what do
0: they kind of need for that?
1: they uh, that's one of the big differences between this kind of alternative credit and a bank a bank's going to mostly need you to be profitable and usually be in business three years we don't require those things but the reason we don't is we understand the space well we've got tools that help us you know monitor the credit and how it's performing so um, what we look for is uh, some level, significant level of B2B distribution. So you're getting into retail channels typically, instead of you know selling at the farmers market or a storefront. And we look for um, you know that the, the people that are your customers are uh, decently well established. It can be a local grocery chain, for example, but you know it's it's someone where we know you're going to get paid, and we're comfortable lending to you ahead of time so you can fill those orders. And as I said, we we understand the big distributors and chains very, very well. So, you know, someone comes to us and says, uh, we're starting a 400 uh, store program at Kroger. We know exactly what that's going to look like. So it doesn't take us a long time to get you a credit approval and set a credit limit and all of that, that sort of thing. So we don't we don't look for we also we we like to see um, uh, the founders, you know, full-time dedication to it. So we don't often lend a company where this is like a lifestyle or a hobby business. But when people are serious about bringing their product to the broader world and they're running it like a business and they're trying to grow well and they're getting that retail traction, um, then we don't, we're don't we not as concerned that they're profitable. We're concerned that they're growing, but that's about it.
0: Is there a minimum kind of company size that's a, a good fit for getting started? I know you mentioned they have to kind of be starting you know, in market and, and having some consistent sales. Um, is it like at least you know doing a hundred thousand dollars in business, doing five hundred thousand, or where that kind of starts to to make sense?
1: I think where we start to make sense is if you're at least on a track in in the current year of doing three to five hundred thousand in revenue. And we do work with some smaller companies, um, and we do our credit, for example, goes from twenty five thousand all the way up to several million dollars. So um, I think our our biggest in the food and beverage right now is four or five million dollars. So that's one thing you also want to look for, whether it's us or anybody find a lender where you're not going to have to go shop for credit in six months when you need twice as big a credit line. It's a pain in the neck. It takes time. Grow with you want to, you, you want to have somebody who can grow with you. Excellent.
0: Jim, thanks so much for being on. I'll drop information about how to get in touch with Jim in the show notes. If you have any other questions about for him or about ION or any of this other stuff, I know he's happy to, to help and answer those initial questions Absolutely. because finance can be Uh, pretty daunting for some of our new founders. So Jim, thanks so much for being on today and sharing about these four financing tips. No, thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it.